You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor. In this business that I'm in, this if you call it a business, this mission that we do, following charities, seeing the kind of work that they're doing, making sure they're accountable, we come across many household name organizations. And today we're going to speak with one of them. I'm sure most people in the country have heard of the Marine Toys for Tots. But I would also gather that while most people are aware of its signature program, that is the delivery and gathering of toys for for people who are young kids who are less fortunate, you're not as aware of some of the more expanded services that come from the Marine Toys for Tots and also how it's structured and organized to make sure that it is accountable to our United States Marine Corps. And so today I thought we would get into some of that. We have with us Lieutenant General Jim Laster, who is the CEO of Marine Toys for Tots. And I came across Jim. Jim was kind enough to invite me recently to a a ceremony that marked the 75th year of Marine Toys for Tots. And I thought how fitting it would be to have him on the show to discuss the rich history of Marine Toys for Tots and to talk about where it's headed today. So Jim, welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast. Well, thank you so much, Art. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here this morning with you. Well, Jim, I know that in all of our podcasts, our listeners are very interested in the individuals that we bring to the show. And most people won't know you, even though you've had a very illustrious career in the Marines, rising to the rank of Lieutenant General. But while the Marine Corps represents service, people don't often think of the commitment and the dedication that it takes to have a career in the military. We all kind of think of maybe what it means to our country to have people like you who've committed themselves, but we don't think about necessarily what it meant to the individual. And and more importantly, how it, what was it in your life at the time that embarked you on a career in the United States Marines? What was it that sort of got you going in the in that direction? Well, thanks for that question, Art. That's a great question. And I really, I really put it on my parents. They're both gone now, raised my brother and I um, in a great home. They instilled values, 
know, strong family values and, the, and the, uh, the importance of being a good citizen. And my father, who was a Navy veteran, when I was growing up, he was actually a pharmacist, and that's what he retired from. But he was a community leader. And everyone in our small little community uh, in Dallas, Texas at the time, it's now a large community, but at the time, Dallas wasn't that big. He was kind of looked at as the community doc, so to speak. And my father always said, whatever you do, you know, do it well and, and try to do something that gives something back. Uh, that provides a service to others. And that's the way he was as a pharmacist. And so uh, at one point we started, uh, I got into Boy Scouts. I rose to the rank of Eagle Scout. My father and mother backed me in that. And of course that teaches all of those values as well. And then at one point, my dad started talking to me about military service. Uh, I was very involved in athletics at the time. I played uh, high school football. And I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship, a football scholarship, to New Mexico Military Institute. And my dad says, you know what, this, is, this might be the, the catalyst uh, for a potential military career. So accept a scholarship and go out and, and study hard and play football and see what happens. And so sure enough, that's what I did. It's a wonderful school. Uh, I'm still involved with it to this day. I'm oftentimes invited back to address uh, the Corps of Cadets and give leadership talks. And so it was out of New Mexico Military Institute that really honed my leadership and people skills, so to speak, and and then drove me to the desire to uh, receive a commission in the United States Marine Corps. So that's really the the overall background. Wonderful. And I hear that so often, that people who are involved deeply in careers in service, whether it be military or nonprofit or even government, have been sort of encouraged and nurtured and experienced others doing likewise. You know, as kids, you saw people who were giving of themselves and that sort of inspired you. Now, you have a role today that allows you to come across many young people, some of most of whom are in uh, some pretty difficult situations, and you're able to show them the power of philanthropy. You're able to show them how giving back can not only ignite your life as a giver, but certainly ignite their lives. And I would hope that some of them um, later on, and we want to find out more about the work itself, also follow in those footsteps. And so, Jim, let's talk for a minute about Marine Toys for Tots and its history. You're celebrating 75 years now. It just seemed like it just blew by. I remember Toys for Tots as a little kid myself. I'm not quite 75 yet, but close enough to 75 that it's been a part of my life almost for the length of its existence. As I said in the build-up to the show, it's a household name. I think we all know and feel a connection in some way to Marine Toys for Tots. But let's get into its history a little bit. Okay. Thank you, Art. We we actually go back to 1947. uh, And it all started when a Marine Reserve major by the name of Bill Hendricks 
he and his wife one morning, and, and none, none of this is written down. I, I'm getting this from people that knew Bill Hendricks. This was 1947, so just after World War II, there were a lot of war orphans across the country, and in particular around Los Angeles. And so he and his wife were very troubled by the, you know, the, the amount of poverty in their community in Los Angeles. And so his wife one morning said, Bill, I want you to use your influence as a Marine Reserve major as well as in your civilian career, he was in the film industry, we would like for you to figure out how we can get after this. And so a few days go by and his wife asked him, where are we on that task that I gave you? And Bill said, can't figure it out. And she said, well, okay, we'll do it ourselves. So make a long story short, Bill Hendricks and his Marines from their reserve unit there in Los Angeles, they started going out and collecting toys and books uh, from the general community and businesses. His wife made uh, Raggedy Ann dolls. And then on Christmas morning, Bill Hendricks and his reserve Marines got into their dress blues and they went out into the community and they distributed the toys and the books and the Raggedy Ann dolls that his wife had made to the children in need. Literally overnight, the program started expanding, started the word got out other reserve un- units found out about it across the country and started doing the same thing, even after Christmas. In 1948, it got the attention of our commandant of the Marine Corps, General Cates. General Cates says this is a wonderful way uh, to keep the American people connected to the U.S. Marine Corps. It's a great community action program. So General Cates made it an official activity of the U.S. Marine Corps and made it the mission of the Marine Corps Reserve. During this time, I had mentioned that Bill Hendricks was new. He was in the film industry, and he actually knew uh, Walt Disney. And so he was telling Walt Disney about this, but he said, Walt, I don't know what to call this program. I don't, we, don't, we don't have a, any symbology. And so a few days later, he received in the mail a sketch from Walt Disney by hand of the three little train cars, and in the in each car was written "Toys for Tots." So, so Bill Hendricks is credited as being the father of Toys for Tots, but it's it's Walt Disney that gave us our name and our little little emblem that we own the trademark to to, to this day. So, the program from 1948 on just just uh, went viral across the country. Uh, all the Marine Reserve units were doing it. Other civilian communities started becoming involved. We started the Native American program during that time, mainly because of the connection with the Marine Corps and the Navajo Code Talker talkers during World War II. And to this day, that program still flourishes. It wasn't until, and, and this was strictly run by the Marine Corps Reserve up until the early 90s. And it was at that time that some Marine senior officers came to the Commandant and said, sir, we, uh, we're concerned that maybe as a federal agency, we shouldn't be doing this type of program. And maybe we should ask someone to establish a, a, a nonprofit. And so that's what happened. There was a Marine Lieutenant General by the name of Terry Cooper who, were, who retired. The Commandant asked him if he would take this on, and he did that. So Marine Toys for Tots Foundation was born. It was incorporated in the state of Virginia. Terry Cooper, Lieutenant General Retired, was was really the first CEO that took the organization and made it 
what it is today. Uh, there was one other CEO after him, Lieutenant General Pete Osmond, who I assumed duties from in January of uh, 2020. And so that's our basic history. We're still to this day an official Marine Corps activity. So even though I work for a chairman of the board and the board of directors of Marine Toys for Tots Foundation, I still have a very close connection and responsibilities to the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Dave Berger. And, and we stay connected and I keep him informed about the activities of uh, Toys for Tots. That's fabulous. One thing I wanted to just hold up is its origins. You know, you have a family coming together, looking at a problem and wanting to just try to do something about that problem. I'm sure they had no idea it will become what it is today. But they started very small and you know, their original plan may have been to reach out to people in power to get their support and buy in and all that, which would have made the job, I guess, initially a lot easier. But that didn't work. And so they went to their plan B, which was to let's just get something going. Let's just get this train moving a little bit. And I've seen this so many times. When people just say, you know what, let's not think about where it could go. Let's just get something going. And to all of our listeners who are sort of sitting on the fence right now, wondering, you know, what you might do to change your community or better society in some way. Don't worry so much about what it might become. That may be beyond your control, but do what you can just a little seed. This couple planted a small seed and it grew into a mighty oak tree with branches all across the country and indeed around the world that are helping kids in so many different ways. So I just want to hold that up. Don't believe, don't, you don't have to see way into the future. Just see tomorrow. Just do what you can. Get that raggedy and doll. Get the, um, get your neighbors to contribute a few items. And now you got something going. And the power of that to change hearts and minds and to get others connected will be more than you can imagine, because that is the great generosity of the American people. When we see people in need, we want to give, we want to support, we want to help. We want to make sure it's effective. We want to make sure it is indeed doing what it intended to do. But that's what it takes. It's not having this um, business plan that is, you know, fully baked and all that. Get something going. And once you do, others will come to your support. And that is how these things are happening. And it, it doesn't always work out like Marine Toys for Tots to be this big, amazing organization, but it will change the lives of some people. So I just wanted to hold that up. That's a, that's um, a, that's a great way to put it, uh, Art. Thank you for that. You know, uh, what a lot of people might not realize is for all those years from 1947 until recently, we were pretty much known just as a Christmas time charity. And of course, Lieutenant Generals Terry Cooper and Pete Osmond before me, they, they built us up and gave us the foundation, in my opinion, to do a lot more. And some charities, and you know this art, they make you feel good 
but they don't do much good. And so I wanted to take the organization and move it forward and, and really be a holistic, uh, sustainable way to, to make a difference. And so I so let me let me stop you just for a minute before you get into that. OK, I want to know I want to know. Um, as you were retiring from the Marines after a long career. What was it that said maybe I should consider this Marine Toys for Tots assignment? Because we do see generals leaving various posts in in various military um, organizations doing nonprofit work. Not all, but but many of them take this on. What was it for you that said, wow, okay, here's an opportunity that I'd like to spend some of my life working on? Well, thank you, Art. You know, at one point in my Marine Corps career, probably about the 10-year mark is when I decided that I wanted to make this a career and stay in as long as I could until the Marine Corps told me that I'd had enough. And it was at that point that I decided, you know, I really enjoy being around uh, wonderful people, people of character. I want to make them be better. Uh, I enjoy leading and mentoring and teaching. And as you become a senior officer from about colonel on into the general officer ranks, that's really what you are. You're a mentor and you're a teacher, really and a decision maker at the strategic level. And so as I, you know, I was a general officer for a little over 10 years. And it was during that time I said, you know what, when I retire, and, and, and the way it works, at least in the Marine Corps, when it's time for you to retire, you get a call from the Commandant of the Marine Corps, and, and he brings you into his office and he thanks you for your service. And so when I got that call and he asked me to sit down on the couch in his office, I know what was about ready to happen. He said, Jim, it's, it's time to move on. And I said, okay, sir. I said, thank you for, for the opportunity to serve my nation and to serve the Naval Service. And so when I left his office, I started thinking, well, I'm not sure I want to just, this was in 2017. So I'm not sure I want to just retire. I want to do something else and I want to do something that makes a difference. I want to make I want to make it matter. And so at that time, I thought I wanted to be a teacher, maybe be a, a superintendent of a private academy, maybe a private military school. And in fact, there were a couple of schools that reached out to me, New Mexico Military Institute being one of them. Also, a, a school called Hardgrave Military Academy in southwest Virginia. And at one point, I was leaning towards going to work for Hargrave Military Academy. Then one day, my good friend and mentor of about 30 years, Lieutenant General Pete Osman, who was currently the CEO of Toys for Tots, he called me and asked me what I was planning on doing. I told him. And after the conversation, he said, why don't you consider replacing me as the CEO of Toys for Tots Foundation? And so it didn't take me but about five minutes to realize that that was the calling. That was it. And so uh, the, the rest is history. I, I came in as his kind of deputy in 2019, was his understudy for a year. And then on 1 January 2020 is when I assumed the role as president CEO. Yeah. Well, I had a long friendship with Pete Osmond as he was leading that organization. And Pete cared so much about that work 
and making sure that the organization would do what it was set up to do and that it would do it well, that it would, it would be accountable to donors and, uh, and that the beneficiaries, the young people, would see this as a major, a major activity in their lives, something that they would, uh, they would be able to say years later, someone cared about me. These people cared about me. And uh, I always will appreciate that about Pete. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned him. So let's talk about Marine Toys for Tots today as you were getting ready to, uh, to share with us. What is the organization doing today and how has it expanded beyond what we know it to be distributing toys and goodies, so to speak, during the holiday season? This is what, one of the reasons why I wanted to release this now in the middle of the summer you know the, the our instincts are to think of toys for tots around holidays yes sir it's more than that and i want people to really begin to understand all you're doing beyond the holidays well if, if i could art uh, to uh, go back to pete osmond pete osmond in 2008 came up with a program partnered with the ups store called the literacy program And since 2008 to the current day, we have distributed over 44 million books to less fortunate children. And so there's one example that was actually that gave me the idea that there's probably other things that we can do outside of Christmas. And it was Pete Osmond and his leadership and vision that started that in 2008. And so, as I said, I took over from him in one January of 2020. I brought the staff together and I said, look, I said, I I think we're solvent enough. I think we have the capability and the resources to do more than just at Christmas time. Uh, I said, you know, kids don't stop being in need after Christmas. And so let's look for ways to do that. Let's use the literacy program that was started by General Osmond is kind of the model for this. And so fortunately, we started looking at that during January and February. And then, of course, you know what happened in March of 2020, the the pandemic hit. And frankly, there were some people that advised me that maybe Toys for Tots should take a knee. Maybe this is too dangerous. Maybe it's, it's too complex for us to try to collect and distribute books and toys to, to children, even the following fall during Christmas time. And I consulted with my partner, who is the commanding general of Marine Forces Reserve, Lieutenant General Dave Bellin. Uh, it's his reserve Marines that help us with our distribution during Christmas time. I asked him what he thought, and he said, heck no. He said, we're U.S. Marines. We can operate in this environment. We're going to figure out how to do this. We will accomplish the mission. And so it was during the spring of 2020 that the staff using the literacy program that had been started by General Osmond came up with a method of partnering with uh, mainly with a nonprofit called Good 360. We partnered with them, and during the spring of uh, 2020, we distributed over 3 million items, uh, mainly books, Title I schools, and, and, other, and toys and games as well, to less fortunate children mainly just to bring some normalcy back into their lives, to lessen their anxiety, 
I did an interview where they asked me why we did that. And I said, well, I said, you know, kids were scared during that period of time. And to make matters worse, they were out of school. They were sent home. And then if they're in the community that, that we're interested in, less fortunate families and children, most likely their parents were laid off, which made it even worse. So we got to get out there and do something to show that we care and, and to try to help these children. And so that's why we did it. And then we came up with distribution methods, even during the fall for Christmas time, where we established uh, online registration by the families. We established a QR code system. So families, instead of coming in physically with their children to get their toys or books during Christmas time, we developed a drive-through distribution system. So they would drive in, we would scan the QR code that would tell us how many children, the gender, the ages, and so on. And then they would pop their trunk and we'd already have the pre-made bag of, of toys and books for them. So it was touchless and it was safe and responsible. And even to this day, we've decided that's the most efficient way to distribute to large populations throughout the community. And so we're still using that model today. So this program of literacy has expanded as well. Just past year, we uh, distributed about 3.1 million books, mainly to Title I schools, and we're looking to expand that even more. Anytime there's a natural disaster uh, or crisis, uh, Toys for Tots is there. Now, we understand that there's a time when we could get in the way, especially of first responders, like during a hurricane or tornado. But there's also a period of time that what we've identified is as important for emotional support when children really need that assistance. And so that is when we will move in and distribute books and toys and games, especially if families have been displaced and they're are in community centers or gymnasiums because their homes have been destroyed. And so these are the types of things that we continue to do year round. For example, when the Afghan refugee families started coming in and being located throughout the nation until they were assimilated into our society, during that period of time this past spring, we supported 17,000 Afghan children. And we're very proud of that. And we're hoping that that helps uh, to welcome them to our country and help to make them assimilate better into our society and become productive citizens of our country. And so here recently, uh, we got the idea that we really haven't supported the foster care community that much. And so now we have an initiative to help foster homes and other social organizations that take in children and give them homes. We just recently did a proof of concept of this where we helped uh, literally about a thousand children down in Georgia. They were foster care children. And so we are expanding and hopefully we can continue to sustain this. Even with the economy, the way it is, there's one thing that I've learned in the last couple of years is the is you can always count on the generosity of the American people, especially for programs like this. And I am so grateful and so thankful. Well, at the ceremony recently, um, you, you got a charge from the commandant, I believe, to significantly increase your numbers. 
I don't know how serious he was about that, but it was <laughs> it was it was kind of a <laughs> that, that's right. It was actually, if you recall, it was the assistant uh, commandant, uh, okay. General Eric right. Smith, and the yeah, Secretary right. of the Navy, right. Secretary Del Toro, that right. stood up and said, "No, I'm I'm thinking we." You know, as, as you know, we reached 8.7 million children this past year, which was a record for us. And the Secretary of the Navy says, I think you need to bring it up to 10 million this next yeah. year. So we'll see. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> so, so let me ask you, by the way, I really appreciate you mentioning, especially the foster kids who can sometimes slip through the cracks and also the Afghan children. And we did a podcast with an organization that is working to resettle some of the Afghan interpreters, especially in their families. And uh, there was some concern, as you know, um, early on, but it looks like that situation is, is balancing itself out. And it's great to know that Toys for Tots was, was assisting these people who really helped us in so many different ways in Afghanistan. I have to tell you that when I heard that number, it was it was stunning. I mean, to think that you could actually expand by almost 20% in one year to 10 million from 8 million during what we're seeing as a recession is really a, a hopefulness, I guess, for the American spirit, the American uh, generosity that we could actually do that. But let me ask you, how can people help? How can we all contribute to making that 10 million a success? How, what can we all do? I know it's primarily a, a Marine Corps Reserves activity spearheaded by Toys for Tots, the organization. But is there something that we can all do, Jim, and, and what? how can we help? Well, that's a that's a great question, Art. And let let me just, if I could back up for one second and say, you know, we, we are an official activity of the U.S. Marine Corps. Yeah. The Marine Corps, it is a reserve Marine Corps reserve program. Yeah. But of the last year, of the 832 campaigns that we had nationwide to include Guam, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, there were only 147 of those campaigns that were run by Marine Reserve units. The rest of them are run by civilian volunteers. Now, some of them may be Marine veterans. Some of them may be veterans of other services. Many of them are. But all totaled, the remainder of those volunteers, to include the Marine Corps League, which is which had about took on about 250 of those campaigns, the rest of them are just are just good, solid American citizens who who want to make a difference. And so they volunteer to be one of our coordinators. We bring them back each year for about a three-day training conference here in Northern Virginia. And then they go out, run their campaigns, and appeal to the, their communities for additional help and support. All totaled, captured on our after-action reports from each of those campaigns, we had 55,000 total volunteers this past year in 2021. And so it's just the, the generosity of those people who volunteer and the American public writ large that, that help us accomplish our mission. Well, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could make sure that every kid who needed your support got it? And I don't know how close we are to achieving that and whether it 
it is achievable, but I believe almost anything is achievable in this world. But tell me, in your estimation, how much need is still out there that we're not able to get to every year? Well, according to statistics and the data that I've read, there's somewhere between 13 and 15 million children that are either at or below the poverty level in the United States. So we hit 8.7. I mean, we're, we're, we're putting a good dent in it, but there's a long ways to go. And then the other thing, Art, that I would say, and I said this up front, you know, some charities do things that make us all feel good when you take part in it, but then they don't do much good. I, I want to I develop a way of sustaining this. I want to come up with ways of staying with those kids, so to speak. And that's why we're, we're very excited about the foster care program and support that we're, we're doing right now. For example, we established about a year ago a program called our Youth Ambassador Program. And what I found was there were a lot of children in these communities that were coming in and volunteering to help collect and distribute toys for other kids in need. So we came up with a slogan, Kids Helping Kids. And I thought that that was powerful. So I established this Youth Ambassador Program And we're actually sending our youth ambassadors, we're paying for, the foundation is is funding them to go to a youth leadership outdoor camp this summer. And part of that camp is to assign them a lifelong mentor. And so, you know, it may be small. It's only about 15 children that we're sending. But who knows, that, that program may grow and I would like to someday involve foster children into that program as well, so that we're developing, helping to develop their character. Yeah, well, one of the things you mentioned is that when we talked, the power of your collaborations, you mentioned one organization that you're working with. But I, I am certain that there are other collaborations that could help you lift that number especially around foster kids. And I'm thinking now about organizations like the YMCA. Yes, sir. I had a great conversation recently with their newly installed CEO. And I would love to see the two of you get together and start thinking about how you can um, support kids. I know that's her objective as well. So I just think that there's so many kids out there that connect with both of you, I imagine that we could find some ways to to even uh, extend that through the great resources and energies and, and expertise and talents. Yes, sir. I would love to connect with her. Bring. Yeah. Well, look, Jim, we're about to the end of the show. Let me just ask you just one final question here about what you see as the most important value that you want to bring about as a result of the work you're doing here with Marine Toys for Tots, what is the value that you hope that all Americans will take away from your activity? I really want children to know by our efforts that, that there are people, many people in our country that care about them. There really is plenty of room for, for hope, and to know that 
just study hard, do what their teachers say and their parents say, and things are going to be okay. They're going to be successful. And what I want our foundation to do is to help continue to give them those tools and help them with their outlook on life, that if you just study and work hard, that they can be successful. And so that's what I want our foundation to be remembered by. We're the ones that give them that, put a smile on their face, make them have some joy and and know that they're going to be successful because people care about them. Well, you've been listening to retired Lieutenant General James Jim Laster, who is the CEO of Marine Toys for Tots. And obviously you've heard that great story of the origins of the organization and the work it is doing today. And I just want to thank you, Jim, for all that you're doing to help kids around the country feel that someone cares about them. And to all of our listeners, I want to thank you for listening in. And if you want to hear other shows, please, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. It's the Heart of Giving podcast. And we hope that you will listen. And if you'd like to support us financially, you can do that also by going to give.org and making a donation to the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. As you know, the Wise Giving Alliance exists to help donors make informed giving decisions to support organizations like gyms that are accredited and fully vetted. And this service is a wonderful way for you to find out about the charities that need our support and are worthy of our support. So I hope you'll support the Wise Giving Alliance. And I hope you'll tune in next week for a new edition of the Heart of Giving podcast. Thank you for listening. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.